every celebrity, their thought on Thursday and Friday would be, how do we skip the day? <laughs> Beckham just flipped that on his head. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette, for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Welcome along, Off The Ball coming at you on a Wednesday evening. There is honestly something of a fiasco feel about the Conor Ben chris Eubank Jr. fight. So this morning, we had a revelation of an adverse drugs test to boost testosterone. Adverse. Yeah, adverse. <laughs> British Boxing Border Control out and say well clearly we're going to have to prohibit this fight going ahead it seems it's happening anyway for reasons we'll get into Gavin Casey of the 42 is going to join us this hour but very very odd to say the least a developing story so Gav's with us live at half seven Wednesday at Rugby Keith Wood Rory O'Connor on the way and then Mr Gavin Cooney will be along for the football show Champions League evening is in progress 53106 the text number we're at off the ball on Twitter Michael McCarthy here in the studio hello hi Joe and Richie McCormick hello to you evening gents so I mentioned Keith Wood, Rory O'Connor coming your way, 8 o'clock. I suspect I'm stealing your thunder, Richie, from the news round, but certainly... Hugely, yeah. Joe, as ever. <laughs> uh, just to mention, I mean, because a sh- shocking story, really. It's on the front pages of quite a few uh, papers, uh, not just sports sections. So the uh, word from this uh, latest study published yesterday in the Journal of Neurology, Neurosurgery and Psychiatry is that rugby players of an international standard, certainly... Uh, 15, one five, 15 times more likely to develop motor neuron disease versus the general population. Uh, position on the pitch, interestingly, made no impact on the risk. And this was from Willie Stewart, University of Glasgow, a man who's been working in this department in this area for a long time, has done studies into football and rugby. So in effect, what he did was compared 412 male former Scottish internationals, it's very much a Scottish study, University of Glasgow, 412 male former Scottish internationals versus 1,200 of the general populace. And Stuart has been doing interviews right across the board uh, today. I mean, Talk Sport, for instance, who don't usually uh, pay too much heed to Rugby Union, had Stuart on and he said the numbers were a big surprise to him. And the report, in effect, uh, sounds the klaxon. It only has so many answers here. What it said was this finding requires immediate research attention. Mm -hmm. So in other words, this has surprised us. This is incredibly worrying. We need to get the hell into this very quickly with more research and find out why is this happening? What is the root cause of this? And I suppose make lots of people straight away on hearing that news would think of Dottie Weir, uh, for instance. But uh, for anybody involved in the game, it's another terrifying story. This is it, isn't it? It just these things just keep happening. And look, I there's a like I and I, I'm not questioning the results, but I have questions about it. For example, like how many people in the general public do get motor neurons disease? Therefore, like while 412 is a huge sample size for this, if that is two results, then you know that's possibly an outlier. But I think the problem with that is you get into twice as likely for to get dementia, three times as likely to get Parkinson's disease. The, regardless of whether it's 15 times or not, you know, maybe, maybe that's an outlier, but we know here that there's a trend. And it's so worrying. You're talking about all these serious brain injuries and the common, co- the common cause seems to be rugby. And 
what can you do about that show? Like, I mean, we'll have this discussion on Wednesday at Rugby in much more detail and we'll have it and on for, for a long, long time. And we'll talk about making the game safer and we'll talk about everything. But you're talking about, like, do you want your kids playing this game at the moment? And it's, it's I hate being a no on that answer. Because there's so much more to sport than the long-term consequences and so on that, that may or may not be there. But it's so hard to ignore. It's so hard to ignore. What what's what? Where does a sport where you have results like this um, from a study stand? It's so hard to know, isn't it? I mean, they can only make the game so safe. Willie Stewart mentioned two things. He said contact training has to be a thing of the past. And Peter O'Reilly had a great piece in the Sunday Times mm. a couple of weeks ago where he spent the week with Leinster training. And in effect, they have no contact training. I think 15 minutes and yeah. not even in one concurrent spell of 15 minutes. As Stuart Lancaster said, effectively, we train at level two, which is non-contact and rarely get to level three. And so kind of said they one. didn't miss it, didn't he? Like yeah. as in they found a way around that, that there isn't, yeah. it, it's not a big deal anymore. Yeah. So that was one. And that should be implementable across the board very, very quickly, if not everywhere already. And then number two, Willie Stewart said, and this is the trickier part, he said, uh, fewer games, yeah. way fewer games. He said, look at the number of matches being played is this credible that young men and women are playing week in, week out for the majority of the year just for entertainment? I know it's tough to think about there being less rugby rather than more, but dot, dot, dot. So his uh, perspective on all this talk uh, of extending uh, seasons and introducing new competitions was yeah. we need to hang on. Uh, he did have the, I suppose, chilling line. I'm genuinely concerned about what's happening in the modern game and that if in 20 years time we repeat this study, we would see something even more concerning. Mm. Now, it's hard to know because contact training and the training of 20 years ago was far more abrasive and less conscious of concussion than it is today in a massive way. Yeah, but the game has become a lot more physical. The athletes have become more fine-tuned. Things like a head being down in the ruck, as Matt Williams was talking about last week, is like, was a shoeing all that bad when you think about it all, yeah. all, all these years on? There's a natural dichotomy, I think, between what the game needs financially and commercially. Um, and that is more games and more play and more competition and more tours versus what is needed to possibly save it in the long term and for the safety of its players. And that's, you know, that's always just going to be in opposition to each other, yeah. unfortunately. But like, well, obviously not an expert here, but, you know, we've been talking about, you know, again, I, I keep mentioning it, but you, Dr. Mickey Collins in here talking about concussion. And one of the key findings that he has is, you know, getting a second concussion uh, you know, within a week or something, you know, I, I think it was more than triples, isn't it? More than triples your recovery time. Even playing 15 minutes after a concussion. Yeah, sorry, what? That's, that was it. So for playing on for 15 minutes rather than being removed um, uh, immediately, more than triples your recovery time. How many undiagnosed, and I don't mean this by way of, um, you know, uh, uh, people not doing their job properly, but by I'm guaranteed there are undiagnosed concussions in rugby all of the time and that's because sim they're symptomless. Mm. You know, just a, a quick bang to the head, no symptoms, yeah. no anything, no reason for anybody to check it. I guarantee they're happening all the time mm. and these players are playing on. It is repetitive injury and that's what's causing these things. Again, that's me saying this not as an expert, this is just common sense based on the results. Sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. And so uh, look, there's the financial health and safety threat, existential mm. threat to the game. And then there's just uh, participation and the mood music across Ireland, England and beyond. Uh, Steve Thompson has a documentary on BBC this evening. I mean, Rich, that can't be anything but harrowing. And yeah. that'll be watched by 
probably close to a million people. I don't know what BBC primetime gets these days, but it will be seen by the mainstream. And the more that rugby has whatever about the, the you know, the research that has to be done to establish how much fire there is. Certainly there's a mm. hell of a lot of smoke and a lot of concerned parents will see the smoke and say, well, I'm not taking a chance. And that's the reality. Yeah, even the quotes and the clips that have been seeded out from Steve Thompson's documentary, they're out there already uh, online, right. are pretty chilling to say that he feels like he's, like he he can dip out of conversations in, in terms of he just completely loses track of what's happening, uh, such has been uh, the degeneration of his, of his cognitive function. Allied to that, like on top of uh, Dr. Stewart's uh, survey, there was another or study, sorry, there was a survey put out by the Rugby Players Association in England last week which said that 50% of those responding, so it was a survey of 180 players, 50% of those responding say they felt they had some kind of uh, cognitive issue going on upstairs. And similarly, they said only 33% of those who did respond uh, to saying that they have uh, some kind of cognitive issue say that they've actually sought some some treatment for it or some kind of you know, diagnosis of it. So like, it's a real concern. And rugby has a real issue on its hands here when you tie that into the elongation of the game, like today's game, Emerging Ireland and the Pumas took two hours just short of. Yeah. Uh, the first 40 minutes took an hour. And that's down to checking and checking and checking and, and all this kind of stuff. But like that plays into having to check because there's so many different contacts going on. And like th- th- these are these are human brains we're talking about here. And you're talking about a really severely decreased quality of life for potentially, as the studies have shown here, a real sizable chunk of those who choose to ply their trade in rugby. And that isn't a good look for a sport to say that one of the main issues that you will have coming out of this is that there's a 50-50 chance that you're going to have some kind of brain issue. And I don't think any other profession, uh, besides boxing maybe, and you know, obviously general professions, would have that. And that can only be tolerated for so long. Um, how you go about changing I know he said that there's different ways means of, of of changing it and making a difference but in the long term and in a very real sense I really don't know how rugby in its current form survives without radical overhauls to protect the mental well-being of, of players going forward yeah I know uh, Rory O'Connor will make the point later on informed consent as grim a thought as that is NFL players boxers they understand the dangers they go in with their eyes open that may be just the only accommodation but we'll come to that after 8 o'clock a slightly heavy start to the show I appreciate we'll get into the news round it is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day so you're starting with the Champions League it's ongoing yeah, I'm watching Celtic fans here celebrate to my left because it looked like they had just gone 2-1 down away to RB Leipzig. 1-1 it remains. VAR review has chopped off that second Leipzig goal. They took the lead, did the German side through Christopher and Kunku in the first half. They'd also had a goal disallowed in that first half too. But Celtic level three minutes after the break through Jota and it remains 1-1 with, what, 25 minutes uh, to go in that game. Uh, and in fact, Celtic yeah, have just, <laughs> uh, pardon me, Leipzig have just taken the lead. So it is 2-1 after all uh, to the Bundesliga sides. Uh, so oh, there you go. Uh, on, so much Keep for my up, yabbering. That's the second, uh, that's the second <laughs> time that uh, Leipzig have had a VAR goal, uh, a goal allowed, then ruled out by VAR and then scored a couple of minutes later mm. in this game. Weird. 
Uh, Rob Malhide says wouldn't consider letting my kids play rugby sadly as many parts of the game are great for maturing etc given the Stuart Report's initial findings is there a reasonable debate needed about suspending all adult rugby until recommendations are agreed horrific numbers that's Rob Malhide Owen says if there was less URC rugby would fans really care the teams involved don't take it seriously Six Nations European rugby the only important game is his own I mean thankfully here certainly if you're at provincial level and not as au fait I must confess with the dragon setup or the zebra setup but certainly here if you're playing for one of the provinces you're probably quite well looked after in terms of numbers of games and Willie Stewart might say well that's not a bad scenario in comparison with the premiership for instance as our nearest neighbour or the top 14 where it's week in week out your best 15 every week game after game after mm. game and we see the financial pressures they're under so maybe there might be some solace in that for uh, Irish URC players, but not much. It's funny, it's it's been a kind of a policy that's come under a little bit of fire in recent years, hasn't it? Like, as in sometimes we're talking about players being undercooked and possibly not playing enough rugby. I think we see, you know, that's that's the least of our worries at the moment. And maybe, you know, I'm not sure that that has been done for... It's been done for player welfare, don't get me wrong, but it's done to keep people fresh and yeah. able to, able for the long season. But it's it could be protecting them in an in in an awful, an awful lot of way, more long term ways as well, you know. Uh, Rich, I presume that emerging Ireland game finished eventually, did it? <laughs> <laughs> did, did, yeah, it did. Uh, just to run you through elsewhere in the in, in the groups that are going on tonight, uh, that was an Andre Silva goal that put Leipzig ahead. An APM start to the groups of the game: holders Real Madrid at home to Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, like Celtic, Chelsea are still searching for a first win of the campaign when they take on AC Milan at Stamford Bridge. From eight, the groups other game had a 5:45 start. In Austria and Salzburg have taken the lead there at home to Dino Zagreb from the penalty spot. In Group G from 8, Manchester City entertain Copenhagen. Pep Guardiola has made five changes to the side that started against Manchester United, but Erling Haaland continues up front where he's partnered by Julian Alvarez as the first start of the season as well for Eimerick Laporte and at the same time Sevilla hosts Borussia Dortmund. And I did watch all this. Emerging Ireland made it two wins from two in their tour of South Africa. Leinster back row James Colhan, just 19 years of age, scored a pair of tries, put in a great performance as well. And 28 points to 24 win over the Pumas in Bloemfontein. Josh Hodnett, or John Hodnett, pardon me, was a late withdrawal from the game with a knee injury, but it is hoped that he can play in Sunday's tour closer against the Cheetahs. did see uh, my cat make the point, if you think this Emerging Ireland tour is not worth the time of day, then just ask the players. And I suspect for the players, it's a big deal. And in five years' time, we'll be reading interviews of full Irish internationals saying that tour made a big difference in my life, my career. So it's easy to throw the baby out with the batwater. I know it's yeah. very off-Broadway from but, our perspective. Okay, I would say there's two ways of looking at that. Treat it as that, and is in five years' time, does this experience going off on a tour with other emerging players matter? Is that a good thing? Do we talk about under-20 teams? Where are they now? You know, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. This was sold to us as preparation for the World Cup. And he didn't and, tell me it was the Kieran Frawley tour. You know what I mean? And, we're even, and, and that was even after most of the culls had been made. It was just for Kieran Frawley, who obviously pulled out before before they went with injury. But, you know, we were talking about this as like, this is for bolters. This is for someone to look who's going to make it to the World Cup. And it's clearly not that. Mm. So, fine, it exists. Yeah. That's fine. Should that be happening at a time of the year when the provinces would be playing these players? More so than when they will be later in the year when Heineken Cup no, comes around. You know. Andy Dunn's still calling it the Kieran Frawley Tour. <laughs> so of all of these games now, I think uh, I can only put one on one TV screen and try and uh, semi-host a radio show whilst doing it. I think by dint of Haaland, I'm sticking on it's City. City. City versus I Copenhagen, th- but we could C- see six or seven goals. And I wouldn't have watched City versus Copenhagen last year, but this is 
the the richness he provides to the Man City it's tapestry. Yeah. It's a scary formation that the city have gone with tonight. They're going with four-two-four. So I think across the front, <laughs> from right to left, they have Mares, Haaland, Alvarez, and Grealish. Then on the left, and two sitting in midfield. So at least that's how UEFA have listed it. Oh. But like, if that's the case, mother of God, we like uh, I really pray for for Copenhagen. No Foden or De Bruyne though. I will then. All right, that's only going to be point? six or seven. What's then. the point? Yeah. No, geez, you, know, you make a fair point, though, Joe. I have to say, I'm looking at that and going, "What a terrible Champions League night!" Is it? And I'm, well, I'm kind of looking at it, sort of like, going, "Oh, I'm not interested in any of those games." And Man City Copenhagen is the ultimate fixture of why the group stages aren't as great as they're made out to be, and of a tournament that becomes brilliant in February, right? Okay. But you've actually explained that to me in a way now. It's like I kind of want to see this because this could be an absolute railroading. Yeah. Yeah. If it ends up being two 0 though. I'm going to blame you personally. That's fine. I accept that. <laughs> what is there? Real Madrid, Shakhtar. Yeah. Chelsea, Milan would be good, actually. Chelsea need a win there. Yeah. PSG playing Benfica. Juventus might be high fit. Yeah, it's 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 fine. Champions League is fine this evening, I think is what we're <laughs> saying. It's better better to exist than, than to not be there at all, maybe. Indeed. So, you have a clip. I mean, we don't need to go through all the details again, but you do have a clip. Uh, Willie Stewart speaking, Rich, do you? Yeah, he was talking to Sky Sports today, was Dr. Stewart, the man behind that report at the University of Glasgow. And he was asked what changes he would make to the game to address the issues raised. One is look at what's happening during the week um, and just say now contact training during week. Um, during season, during the competitive season, should be viewed as virtually a thing of the past. Um, you know, they should be really getting rid of it as much as possible. I think at the same time, though, they need to look at the number of matches that are being played and ask, is this is this credible that, that you know young men and women can be playing week in week out for uh, you know majority of the year um, at, just for entertainment? Is there a way that we could trim back on that exposure? There were changes made fairly rapidly in American football, which which were pretty effective actually, uh, including getting rid of of contact training as much as possible during the season. I think it's it's virtually uh, non-existent now. I think rugby could be you know could be you know speeding up this pace of change. I know it's it's tough to think about you know there being less rugby than more, but maybe maybe you know maybe less is more. Maybe, maybe you get a better quality uh, product. You know you see better quality rugby. The the, the players are are less damaged and fitter uh, rather than than uh, depending purely on quantity. Um, so I, I think, but I think rugby has to think about it. Um, you know you can't continue to put young men and women through what what they're being put through. Now we know you know even from the amateur era there's this risk of, of genital brain disease. FAI, Richie? Yeah, they've come in for criticism for moving the final round of fixtures in the SS here, Tristy Premier Division, to the same day as the Women's FAI Cup final. Sunday, November 6th, we'll see all five top flight matches kick off at 7pm with current leader Shamrock Rovers away to UCD and Derry City, their nearest challengers at home to Dundalk. The games were originally scheduled for the Friday before. Tallis Stadium, meanwhile, is hosting the Women's FAI Cup final clash of Shelburne and Athlone on that Sunday and it will kick off at 3pm. Mm, not ideal. I guess it won't really affect TV audience for the women's final if that's a three and all the matches are at seven but certainly any walk-up crowd to Tallis Stadium they might be going to a Shamrock Rovers game especially if they potentially more than likely going to win the league so you would think the coverage for it beforehand easily uh, avoided you know well if they're on Sunday we'll go Saturday or move it around it's not like this is a tricky one to sort out I don't I I really don't understand the need to to move the games either because Final night in the, in the uh, Air Tristy League has always been uh, on a Friday night right. um, for the last God knows how many years. So this is the first Sunday um, that I can remember, certainly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I know there have been Sunday finishes before, but 
this is the first one in a while and it seems really late in the day and really close as well to the cup final to be making that call and I'm struggling to understand why well also I just top my head so you're about to win the league you're Shamrock Rovers fan do you want to win the league and celebrate on a Friday night or at half nine on Sunday you know why like yeah. Sunday night we just trek all the way home from where are they playing their way other than UCDs they're in Dublin but still everyone's got work in the morning you know, it's been yeah, it's been a while since I had a Sunday FA Cup final celebration as well. So yeah, yeah they're not fu- they're not fun to recover from the next day. I can tell you that much. So um, yeah, I, I, it it just seems odd and really just ignorant, I guess, of of the need for the the women's cup final to have its own space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, they're obviously been very progressive in many ways. So maybe there's a decent reason. We'll we'll see if there's something to say about it. There might be some explanation we're not thinking about. The uh, Galway women's football situation has been sorted out. Yeah, they will be entering a side Galway United, that is, in next year's Women's National League. Women's football in the region had been plunged into doubt with Galway WFC announcing their intention to withdraw from the league at the end of this season. But United say they will have a senior women's and under-19s and under-17 team from next season. Hi lads, my 10-year-old son playing rugby since he was six. I help out with the coaching. The main focus is finding space, avoiding contact, getting the ball wide all tackling for uh, minis and junior is below the waist refs give penalties for higher tackles love the show Ollie and Dublin great to hear that's happening now it yeah. is yeah of course it is but obviously that eventually has to change and then there's also quite, you know the, the the heading in football debate is also when it's they do start doing it are they equipped for it and are they trained for it I think in rugby I think this is a more reasonable way of doing things and then you gradually introduce higher contact and safe tackle technique and everything else but gets uh, serious obviously at, at schools level in many areas yeah, it gets very serious at schools level in many areas kind of going back to our conversation from last night perhaps it gets too serious at schools level in many areas lads I played rugby to a decent level when I played the other forwards like me were fat lads who ran away from each other of course there were hits the backs were skinny runners now everyone's a 20 stone bodybuilder told to crash into everyone MMA is safer believe me a disgruntled cork man I don't know if it's quite that bad at amateur level but I'll, I'll bow to your uh, experience it is a fair point that it's a different sport you know like it, 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 it was about find, no oh, sorry. rugby it was about finding space and it was about it wasn't about the collision you even look at like you have like remember rugby gold used to be on TG Carter and you would see you know the scrums they just kind of like casually came together almost as a unit went in scrum was over yeah now it's about the collision it is it's a different sport and it may like it, no wasn't, it wasn't invented to be you know 25 20 stone men running into each other at full at full pace there's no going back on that front now. no of course not no so uh, we're, this is our half seven story it is very mm. interesting rich the uh, ben eubank jr fight i think is going ahead as things stand yeah, should mention, by the way, that people point out that Rovers are playing rightly in the yeah, Conference League on the Thursday before. So obviously that would force the fixtures back, but even still a bit late in the day uh, to be making that call. They're away in Sweden on that okay. Thursday. But that, that's uh, sort of sort of fair enough then in, in ways. At least there's a motivation. Yeah, play, yeah I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Just, just, the, the should they just cancel the game altogether and not give Rovers the title? That would that would suit everybody. I better. would be fully in favour <laughs> of the season being cancelled um, from uh, several months back. Uh, but, I'm, I'd, yeah. I'd say settle the FA Cup from the quarterfinal stage, roughly. For, uh, far, far be it for me to defend the FAI. But, okay, Rovers are playing Thursday. They do have to give them rest. So, they're at least putting it on at seven. The women's final's at three. Is it insulting to the women's final to say, actually, we're going to move you to Saturday? 
you know, I, I do think it's a tricky enough spot for the FAI. They're doing their best on that one. Two two different events, different times of day. It's it doesn't does it massively take away? Like it's no. not as if it's like being kicked out of the Aviva or anything. You no, know? no, no. I think I mean, look, I know we go we love a good FAI kicking, but I can you can sort of see uh, a fairness maybe on that one. Um, as for this Ben Eubank Jr. fight, I'm struggling to see the fairness here, Richie. It's uh, bizarre. 3-1 Leipzig, by the way. Promoter Eddie Hearn is seeking a court injunction to allow Saturday's clash of Chris Eubank Jr. and Conor Ben to go ahead. The British Boxing Board of Control insists the fight should be called off after Ben failed a drugs test. He tested positive for clomiphene, which is a women's fertility drug, which can increase testosterone production if taken on a daily basis by men. It's since been reported that Ben's positive happened on September 23rd, nearly a fortnight ago, but was only made public this morning. Yeah, so this is bizarre, obviously, at, at a glance. The issue is that, so September 23rd, you've got more information than me on that front. I read it was somewhere in September, maybe even late August. So the issue is that as part of these fights now, the fighters tend to negotiate some kind of voluntary anti-doping protocol. So VADA, which is Voluntary Anti-Doping Association, they did the test. So the two fighters say, look, I don't want you on drugs, you don't want me on drugs. Let's uh, have voluntary drugs test grand shake on that. So VADA did the test on Ben. They found the fertility drug in his system, sample A. For reasons nobody can explain, they still haven't tested sample B. So it seems he's committed no violation until that's tested. Again, that is just nonsensical as to why it hasn't been tested. But then the other aspect is the British Boxing Board of Control, they rely on UCAD testing. So you. anti-doping do their tests and they've done loads of tests over the last couple of days and Ben's passed all of them so technically there's a sense that well he's passed all the UCAT tests and he hasn't failed sample B of the voluntary ones so through this cloud of protocol and uh, technicalities the fight's going ahead even though British Boxing Board of Control came out today and said we prohibit this fight going ahead yeah so I don't know where that leaves it but the Eddie Hearn, we're going to hear from him in a few minutes, right? He talks about Ben being tested this week as in that being almost like more important than something that came before. Yeah. So he's like, hold on, he's done all the tests this week. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sorry, I, I, whatever about the Conor Ben story, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it's basic doping uh, knowledge to know that you're less likely to, to be, you're more likely to be you're going to be tested on the week of a fight so you're probably not going to test positive if you're doing it any way properly Yeah, you know it's when you're done a few weeks ago is when you might be actually caught so the fact that Eddie Hearn is coming out and making a big deal about the fact that he's been tested this week yeah. many times and passed the test is so dishonest it really is. And that's what annoys me about it. Whatever about this particular thing and whether the fight should go ahead, like, I think we know how we feel about it, but you know, there are, there's nuance to it at least. But that particular thing is what Bonnet annoyed you. me today. Yeah, I mean, you can't overstate, in general terms, only an absolute moron gets pinged around yeah. an event. <laughs> that, well, look, that's what we were saying earlier today off air. And that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just can't overstate that enough. No. In, in 2022, it's just not a no, thing if, anymore. If, if you're a doper and you get caught by on the week of an event yeah. then you just don't know what you're doing no so um, yeah the fact that it's been all good for the last couple of days doesn't really um, calm the, the sense that something's gone awry here uh, we should say by the way 
that the Ben Camp and Conor Ben and will play his audio in a moment is absolutely adamant yeah. that he's a clean athlete and they're going to get to the bottom of this and there's something which has gone awry here but absolutely nothing untoward has been taken so that is very much the Ben uh, Camp and he's spoken to Chris Eubank Jr who's happy for the fight to go ahead so like I said we'll talk about it in a bit more detail in a few moments time I mean geez, if uh, the real issue in boxing we're probably not talking about this enough I know we aren't because yeah. this is just like the most depressing sporting story in a long time yeah, it's been a pretty grubby day for the sport. The International Boxing Association, formerly known as AIBA, of course, who look after the amateur end of it, is to lift its ban on Russian and Belarusian boxers competing at their events. Boxers from both countries were banned following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But the IBA say their fighters will be allowed to compete under their own flags and their anthems will be played at events should they win medals. They say they want to be an apolitical organization. IBA <laughs> governance issues, of course, look set to real boxing out of the LA Olympics in 2028. I know people find this all a bit boring. Uh, so just give me 10 seconds of your attention because, I mean, it's just so scandalous what's happening and it's really going to come home to roost when boxing's not at the Los Angeles Games in 2028. International Boxing Association has been taken over by a Putin ally, Umar Kremlev. He's been voted in because they're doshing money around to all the many countries who have votes. A lot of the the more established boxing countries have not voted for him. And uh, Gazprom are the biggest sponsor. Yep. He's hanging out with Putin all the time. They have banned Ukrainian boxers. They're bringing in uh, Russian and Belarus boxers fighting under the Russian flag. Uh, the Olympic Committee has said, well, you're not coming to the LA Games in 2028. And they've said, fine, because like, what's Putin's attitude to the uh, Olympic Committee? I wouldn't say great after the last number of years. So, like, Russians not going to games in LA wouldn't be unheard of. No, there's, uh. a, there's a real chance that the next Kelly Harrington, all the Irish fighters, when they come of age in four or five years time, won't have an Olympic the games to go to and this is happening well, just in the last 10 days more than likely yeah more than you likely. know that, that and that's the way it's been reported now and you know we'll see what happens a long time to go but you know you mentioned it Joe Gazprom like I mean that's like there's a headline here Gazprom sponsorship saved IBA from financial collapse yeah, yeah. the Russians you know, this out. is what it's about it's and it's yeah. nothing else and the like whatever your take on it I did burst out laughing at the idea that this is apolitical when it is the exact opposite that brings to a close one of the more <laughs> downbeat news really <laughs> I think it's fair to say uh, we will get to more of your rugby texts a little bit later on Michael thanks for the time being thanks Joe Richie thank you thanks and lads